coming back this afternoon. Thank you for coming back and worshiping God. We're grateful for the opportunity. We thank you if you're visiting. As always, we invite you to come back. We're grateful to all who visit us regularly. We've had a number of folks that have cast their lot with us, decided to work and worship with us, and for that we're grateful. It might be that you're here this afternoon. Maybe you're looking for a church home. We'd invite you to consider the work here. We'd love to have you join hands with us and help us reach a lost and dying world. I want to call your attention to the passage Gary read a moment ago, Psalm 127. I studied today, this afternoon, the focal point of our theme this afternoon is the one area in life we cannot afford to fail. We're talking about the home. If you remember many years ago, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, in verse 25, A house divided against itself cannot stand. God is the one who designed the home. He has given us a blueprint or the perfect paradigm to be successful in the home. I have no doubt that you understand where we are as a nation of people. We face a lot of problems, a lot of troubles in this country. Many of the problems and troubles that we face could be eliminated if somehow we could get the home back where it needs to be, back on track. That being said, think about for a moment or two what the psalmist said many years ago. In Psalm 119 at verse 105, the psalmist said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. If we would open the word of God, to the best of our ability, try to live according to the precepts of God, how blessed we would be. A lot of the problems that we see in our country would evaporate, they'd be gone. But we've got to get people back to the Bible. And that's really a constant theme, back to the Bible, because forward progress, if we're going to go forward, we've got to go back, back to what God has said in His Word. In Psalm 127, the psalmist said, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. In order for the home to be what it needs to be, first and foremost, it's my conviction that we have to have the right foundation. All of us, no matter where we live, we are living in a dwelling place, whether it's rented or owned that has underneath the frame a solid foundation. People build a house, a home, on a foundation. Someone said many years ago that man builds houses, but God builds homes. So I want to encourage us to think about the importance of building our home on Scripture. Building our home on the Lord. You remember in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about the wise and foolish builders. And He said, the wise man built his house upon the rock. He likened that individual to those who hear the Word of God and do it. And you remember He said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house, but it fell not. Why? Well, the reason was because 
it had underneath a sturdy foundation. It was built upon a rock. And then he talked about the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And there are a lot of folks in our world today, they have built their home on the sinking sands of the world. Materialism, money, business, I mean the list goes on and on. So Jesus said, whoever therefore hears these things of mine and does not do them, him shall I liken unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And he said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house. And he said, it fell, and great was the fall thereof. So to somehow get back and to make sure that we build our home on a sturdy foundation. And that really begins in marriage, doesn't it? You remember in Matthew chapter 19 when Jesus was asked by the religious leaders of His day about divorce. And Jesus answered their question with a question. Jesus asked, have you not read? And then in answering their question, he went all the way back to God's original blueprint for the home. He said, have you not read that he that made them at the beginning made them male and female? For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. He said, wherefore, there are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, Jesus said, let not man put asunder. So here you have the divine principle upon which we are to build our home. Well, what's that principle? One man, one woman for life. Now that's God's design, isn't it? And what God is saying is, if you will follow the blueprint that I've set forth, you'll be successful. I have no doubt that there are people in our world today, they want to have a happy, successful, contented home. One of the reasons why their home life isn't what it ought to be or what it could be is because they've ignored the blueprint. Whenever that happens, problems always arise. Now go back again and listen to Jesus when He said, A house divided against itself cannot stand. Look at our nation. Our nation has been divided. It's fragmented. You've got camps here and there all over the place. The reason our nation is so divided is because the home is divided. Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So what then is the blueprint to destroy a nation? Destroy the home. If you can somehow undermine the home, then you can tear away at the foundation of the home. So number one, we've got to have the right foundation. The right foundation says that we want to build our home on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's solid rock. To build our home upon the Lord. Now, are we going to make mistakes? Sure we are. We're not perfect people. We're going to make mistakes. There are going to be times when maybe things don't necessarily go smoothly in life. But to the best of our ability, we are trying as a husband and wife, as a mother and father... We're trying to follow what God has set forth in His Word. You remember when God said to Joshua, 
that if he wouldn't turn to the right hand or to the left, but if he would meditate on the truth of God day and night, he said, you'll have good success. You'll prosper wherever you go. So in order for the home to prosper and to be blessed, it's got to be built on the right foundation. There's a second thing I want to share with you. It has to do with faith in the home. Now those of us who are males, God has entrusted us with a stewardship. The stewardship is that we are to be the spiritual leader in the home. You remember what Joshua said in the long ago? Joshua in chapter 24, verse 15, said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now there are times when you have a couple. One is not a Christian, the other is. You look at 1 Peter chapter 3, and Peter talks about a believing Christian saintly woman married to someone who's not a member of the body of Christ, someone who's not a Christian. And he said, the way that you win that person to Christ, you win them without the Word, without a Word. Well, how do you do that? You live the Christian life day in and day out. He said, allow them to examine your chaste behavior coupled with fear. In other words, you let them see a life that is respectful, pure. Let them see someone who's trying to the best of their ability to walk in the footsteps of Christ. You don't have to beat them over the head, but rather you just live that Christian life day in and day out. And so here's Joshua. And Joshua is saying, look, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. What if every father in America to the best of his ability, said, as a family unit, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to build our home on the Lord. That's going to be the foundation upon which we build our home. And we're going to try, to the best of our ability, to walk within the footsteps of Christ. We're going to follow His Word. That's going to be the blueprint for how we live. Now, if you go back and look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, God gave the template. For a successful Hebrew home. You remember? He said, you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And he said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Now let's just pause there for a minute. If we're going to be people of faith, the goal is to pass that faith on, isn't it? When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 2, he said, the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these also to faithful men that they may be able to teach others also. That's what we're talking about. As a parent, as a father, a mother, we're taking God's Word and we're trying to teach our children. And the goal is that one day our children, when they become parents, they will then in turn teach their children. And so there is this perpetuity of the faith. Now back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in order for the children of Israel to have accomplished the task before them, number one, they had to love God, didn't they? Love Him supremely. Well, how so? With all of their heart, soul, and mind. 
They were to take what God said and instill that Word in their lives on a daily basis. And we talk about allowing the Word of God to reign supreme in life. So number one, they had to love the Lord. Number two, it would take loyalty to the Lord to accomplish that task, wouldn't it? Now God said the things which you've heard, you take those things and store them up in your life. If we're going to pass on the faith, we've got to be loyal to the teaching of Scripture. Now listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we try to educate our children, but we also try to set before them the right kind of example. Think about what Paul said to the church at Corinth. Paul would say, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Paul there simply acknowledging the fact that insofar as he walked within, insofar as he walked in the footsteps of Jesus, he was saying, look, you follow my lead. As a parent, look, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And there are times when, quite frankly, we blow it. And we can acknowledge that, rectify it, and move forward. But the goal is we're doing our best to teach and, and instruct. Now there is a third principle found here. Number one, they were to love God. Number two, they were to be loyal to God. Number three, they were to be leaders for God. Well, what do I mean by a leader for God? We're to be a leader in the home. There are a lot of good moms in the world today who are married to men who are not Christians. And so they have had to assume this role of spiritual leadership. And I'm grateful to women that have assumed that role and have sought and are seeking to the best of their ability to lead their children in the right pathway. And hopefully and prayerfully, at some point in time, the father will get on board. Now it might be that You've got a Christian mate, a Christian male, and he's married to a woman who's not a Christian, and so that role would be reversed. But nonetheless, again, the goal is to instill within our children faith in Almighty God. And you look at the life of Timothy. And you remember, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, that from an infant, from childhood, he had learned the Holy Scriptures. And Paul said, those Holy Scriptures have the ability to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It is not by accident when our children know something about God. When they come to understand His will for them in their life. Go back and look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul there speaks of Timothy's mother and grandmother. These were ladies of faith. Paul talked about the genuine faith that dwelt in Timothy. But he said it first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice. He went on to say, and I'm persuaded in you also. Timothy had a mom and a grandmom interested in his spiritual welfare. And I believe that every one of us here today, we're interested in the spiritual welfare of our children. If you have grandchildren, you're interested in their spiritual welfare. You want to see them grow. Now go back and look. You remember Hannah? 
Back in the book of 1 Samuel, the Bible tells us that Hannah was barren. She wanted a child. She prayed to God that He would give her a child. And God granted her request. And so here's Hannah after having been acknowledged by God that He would give her a child. She said, for this child I prayed. Therefore, as long as he lives, he's going to be granted to the Lord. What she was saying is, I'm going to take my child, Samuel, and I'm going to make him a servant of God. I'm going to put him in an environment where he can become a tremendous servant for Almighty God. And Samuel became one of the great prophets, didn't he? So number one, we've got to have the right foundation. Number two, we've got to have faith. Paul said in the long ago, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We are instructed to walk by faith and not by sight. And the only way that we can do that is to know what the Bible teaches. Now there is a third very important point here. That is we've got to have focus in the home. There's a battle going on in the world in which we live. And sadly, we are a part of this battle. We've been thrust into this arena whether we like it or not. The battle is between the secular on one side and the spiritual on the other. You've got to decide what's going to win out. Now there are a lot of folks in the world today, they've already sold out. And there are people in the world today, sadly, they accentuated the secular to the exclusion of the spiritual, and they're paying a heavy price today. And there are homes all across our country today. You've got children. They have been nurtured in the secular to the neglect of the spiritual. It's happening every day in America. When Paul said, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, he's writing to Christians. We can take that personally. Paul's saying to us, we need to seek those things which are above. We need to set our mind, set our affection on things above, and not on things which are upon this earth. Now, is it wrong to enjoy life? To enjoy the secular things of life? Well, not as long as we keep things in perspective. Remember what Peter said, he that would love life and see good days? Are there people that love life and they want to see good days? Sure, we all want that. But the bottom line is we've got to make a distinction and understand that the spiritual side of life ultimately is what life's all about. Now, if you don't believe that, go back and read Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Solomon experienced a lot of different things in life. And Solomon, in many respects, had a dream lifestyle in the lives of many people. Solomon said, let me tell you what life's all about. It's not about things. It's not about power. It's not about popularity. What it is about is fearing God and keeping His commandments. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you remember he talked about the outward man perishing and the inward man being renewed day by day. All he's saying is that as we grow older in life, the body's not what it once was. It's wearing out, running down. 
But when we're feeding upon the truths of Almighty God, that inward man is growing stronger every day. We are, as Paul said, exercising ourselves unto godliness. All right? Paul said, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen, Paul said, are eternal. As a parent, grandparent, as a family member, what's the focus of your life? What's your life all about? I mentioned Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. You remember Paul said in Colossians 3, verse 4, For Christ, who is our life, we are custodians of the greatest treasure on earth, our children, our grandchildren. And we want to be a good steward. God has given us these children, and our goal is to point them in the direction of heaven, isn't it? You remember in Psalm 127, the writer talks about arrows in the hand of a warrior. And he said, so are children of our youth, or of one's youth. And the idea is that when that warrior picks up a bow and arrow, he's pointing that bow and arrow at a target. It's not just a shotgun effect but rather he has a very specific goal in mind, very focused. As a parent or grandparent, what we want to do is try to be very, very focused. And we train our children academically in the secular realm. We need to, because they've got to learn how to take care of themselves. We've got a lot of folks in our society today They've learned biologically how to bring children into the world, but when it comes to caring for those children, nurturing those children, leading them spiritually, they have no idea. A lot of parents that are just not up to the task. They haven't been taught, and so you have this cycle that continues. That's not our goal. We want to train and teach our children. Let me just share with you a couple of thoughts here. Think for a minute about every home in America. If we were to take just some basic Bible principles, implement those principles into the lives of our children and into our own lives, we would be a far better nation, wouldn't we? Number one, if we, only taught, if we could teach our children to respect their fellow man, to just employ the golden rule. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12? Therefore, whatsoever you would that men do to you, do you also to them. This is the law and the prophets. The bottom line is, I'm going to learn to treat people like I want to be treated. I'm going to show them proper respect. That's number one. That's what we could do. Number two. We could teach our children to be responsible, reliable. In other words, we're trying to teach our children to stand for something, to be the kind of character that can be counted on. A lot of families today, 
A lot of mamas and daddies are not reliable. They're not reliable in the secular realm, and they are surely not in the spiritual realm. So we got to teach our children reliability. Then there's another thought. We've got to teach them to be people of their word. Jesus said, you let your yes be yes and your no, no. Whatever happened to just being honest, telling the truth? You know, it's hard to try to teach our children to be honest and forthright in their dealings when they see people in the world who are dishonest, people that are unreliable, who fail to have respect for other people in the human family. Those are just some basic fundamental principles that will help us. I mean, teach, you, teach our children the difference between right and wrong. It's always right to tell the truth. It's never right to tell a lie. Not hard to understand, is it? Then let me tell you one other thing we need to teach our children. We need to teach our children a work ethic. We've got to teach our young people that you do not get something for nothing. We live in a day and time when people want something for nothing. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul talked about those who would not care for their own family. And you know what he said about them? He said, they are worse than an infidel and have denied the faith. Let me tell you what Paul also said, since we're running down this trail. Paul said, if a man won't work, don't let him eat. And let me tell you what. If a fellow gets hungry enough, he's going to go to work. But if we continue to just give people something for nothing, there's no desire to work. There's no work ethic. Rather than giving a man a fish, you teach him how to fish. Then he can take care of himself. But these are basic fundamental principles that have to be taught in the home. It's where it all begins. One other thought very quickly. We've got to teach our children respect for authority. If our children do not learn respect for authority in the home, do you really think they're going to be respectful in the classroom to their teachers, to their administrators? And then when they get out in, quote unquote, the world and they get a job, and there are certain things that they are called upon to do. And they shirk those responsibilities. They fail to have respect for authority in the workplace. Now, if you don't respect authority in the home, and if you don't respect authority in the classroom, you don't respect authority in the workplace, why in the world would you think that people would respect the laws of this land and the law of Almighty God? If they don't have enough respect for authority in the world, they will not have it when it comes to spiritual things. That's where we are as a nation. So it goes back to trying to, and you know what, that entails some discipline at times. You know, when I, was, I remember when I was just a little fella, 
maybe first, second grade, I, don't, I really don't remember. But I remember one time as a family, we went over to some friends of my folks. My dad was a school teacher and we went over to one of the administrator's home. I think it was the principal. To this day, I do not remember what my brother and I did. But I know this, when we got home, he tore us up. Now, you know what? That made an impression on me. Been a long time ago, but I haven't forgotten it. So there's something to be said about the old Board of Education, is there? And then, finally, what about the future. The future of the home. If our nation is to get back on track, and we talk about the future of our nation, in my opinion, the future of our nation is contingent on the future of the home. If we don't get our home life right, we're not going to get our nation right. That's just the facts. We can like it, we can not like it, but those are the facts. The goal of every single one of us who are parents, we want to see our children in heaven, don't we? We want to see the one that Moses called the bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I know that children sometimes don't always make the best decisions in life. I sure didn't when I was young. And sometimes they don't listen and they pay a heavy price. But it's not because as a parent we didn't tell them or teach them or train them. They're going to make mistakes. It's just part of life. But what we want to do is minimize those mistakes, errors in life and try to get them on a, on, on a pathway that ultimately is going to lead them to heaven. You remember what the Hebrew writer said in the long ago about those people who live by faith? He said they were looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. As a family unit, we want to be where one day? We want to be in heaven, don't we? I mean, you look at the most valuable treasure you have in your life sitting right beside you, or maybe you're holding that child. But that is your greatest resource and commodity. And the goal is to take that, that child came from God. And the goal is to give that child one day back to God. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, and you want to try to get your life on track so that your home life will be what it ought to be, which will ultimately bless the nation we live in and bless you. Well, what would you need to do? You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible tells us that we are to repent of our sins, confess His name, be buried with Him in baptism. And the promise is God will forgive all of our sins. That whatever is in the past, it will be in the past. The psalmist said, as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. 
Once you become a child of God, the goal is to live for God day in and day out so that one day you can live with God. And hopefully and prayerfully, your children will be there right beside you in that beautiful place called heaven. It might be that you need the prayers of the church. And maybe your life, maybe there are struggles in your life, maybe disappointments, and you want the prayers of the church to help you maybe either get back on track or to just stay on course. We'd be happy to pray with you today as we stand and sing.